Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley. On today's episode, I'm joined by Jared McAkron, the Sacramento Area Director for Fellowship of Christian Athletes, an organization that exists to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. Through his work with FCA and his experience as a youth pastor, Jared has seen firsthand how adults can positively or negatively impact the young people around them. We'll talk about how you can be the best possible influence on the young people around you on this episode of Engaging Culture. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Brian Kiley with you. Pastor Lance on vacation, so he is not with me today, but... I am very excited to be joined by my guest today, Jared McAkron, Sacramento Area Director of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Jared, thanks for being here. Thanks, Brian. I feel like we're on a, a sitcom or something. Season three, episode six. Season three, episode or six. Or like a Star Trek That's you know, right. movie series, yeah. something like that. We're I not feel- like quite as cool as like Friends or something where like every episode has the, you know, the one with the this or whatever. Do you ever watch ALF? But. Uh, no. Oh, it's a it's an alien Muppet. You I should mean, Google it. Oh, yeah. I've heard I've heard yeah. of it. Don't get me wrong. I remember the commercials, Channel Fifty Eight, when <laughs> yes, I was a kid. I'm with you, man. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I am familiar. It's just been. You can a while. go on Netflix and find <laughs> some seasons of Alf. It'll do good for you. Oh uh, well. All right. I think I got what we needed. Um, great episode. Uh, thanks for. Li- no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so so Jared, you are, as we just mentioned, Sacramento area director for Fellowship of Christian athletes. Uh, Tell us a little bit about FCA and the work you do with them. Yeah, so I started with FCA a couple years ago. Um, FCA in the region has not had a lot of traction. Um, It's a, the ministry itself is about 55 years old and it started in Oklahoma. It's big in the Midwest, Texas, Florida. Uh, California was known as the black hole of FCA. (laughs) Southern California got its start about Oh, 20 years ago, but Northern California, it just could not get traction, could not get hmm. anything going in the Sacramento region. A couple staff members have came and went. And now, uh, about five years ago, we had a, a young man by the name of Otis Amy for sports fans, Sac State okay. alumni, actually played for the 49ers for a couple of years too. I, say, I feel like I know that name. Yes. So Otis Amy was approached by FCA. And uh, just so happened the night before he had written out several things that he wanted to do with his life. He was in a sales job, just feeling unfulfilled, and FCA allowed all seven of those things to be fulfilled. And so he hit the ground running. His first goal was to get on eight campuses. He got on 16 his first year. Wow. They started to take notice and said, okay, let's get some more people around him. Uh, he built a, an advisory board, and then I was his second hire. And so I joined the team. Uh, about two years ago as the Elk Grove area director, and same thing, get on eight campuses. We got on 12. I didn't hit his record, but um, we began to grow, uh, built a leadership team there, and now uh, we are on over 29 different campuses and seeing God do incredible things. Yeah. 29 campuses all here in the Sacramento. All in the greater Sacramento region. So that's that's from Auburn, as far north as Auburn, as far south as Stockton right now, and then west, Vacaville, and then East Placerville. Wow. So how, mu- how much traveling around to these different places are you doing yourself? So I used to be Elk Grove to Stockton. You know, that's that's not too far. That's about a 30-mile, you know, little commute. Now I am adding a lot of miles <laughs> to my Kia. And uh, I'll tell you something. I enjoy yeah. being in the car, so it's not too, yeah. too terrible. Yeah. Now, what drew you to 
FCA? Because you were a youth pastor before this. Yes. Yeah. Church planner and did all sorts of other yeah, stuff. Yeah, four years as youth pastor for junior high students. Took about a year and a half break. Helped my brother-in-law start a church in L.A. called Fearless L.A. Okay. You can follow them on Instagram. If you're ever in the L.A. area, they meet at the Exchange Nightclub. Voted number one nightclub in all of the United States. Ooh, how and they meet it? there. And then we came back and did uh, high school, young adults, junior high ministry, oversaw all departments at a church in Elk Grove called Harvest. And while I was there, um, I started to feel a, you know, a shift. Something was going on. Something yeah. wasn't sitting right. It wasn't indigestion. It wasn't <laughs> bad pizza. It actually was the Holy Spirit moving in my life saying there's another assignment coming. Yeah. And as I processed uh, different opportunities inside the local church, um, FCA st- stood out to me as I felt a real catalyst at reaching the next generation. While I was in youth youth ministry world and doing that, I, I saw the um, lack of attendance, the lack of attention the students were having, and the introduction of social media had really um, caused a severe amount of distraction to them and their attention span, and it seemed like I had to become um, more engaging, more exciting. <laughs> and while I, I accepted that challenge, I really thought there was another, there was a missing element. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And when I heard about the ministry of FCA and I met Otis, he reached out to me. We had a coffee. My heart came alive to see all of the young people that were reaching on high school and junior high campuses. And when I went and sought for the first time, it was like I was sold. Yeah. I saw, you know, I saw students coming into a classroom, sometimes a school's theater at lunchtime or a gymnasium, depending on how, um, how big the leadership team is and how great their organization is. And we saw, you know, hundreds of kids coming to Christ that first year and working with local churches to help get them plugged in. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And so wow. it's, been a, it's been a wonderful journey. So the first year, we saw over 1,000 students make decisions to follow Christ, which is more than my 10 years of ministry combined wow. in one year. And I was just like in tears, couldn't believe what God had done in such a short amount of time. And then our second year... As we expanded more and I took over the greater Sacramento region, we saw over 3,024 students make decisions to follow Christ. And so um, it's remarkable. It's exciting. It's everything that um, I don't even feel like I work anymore. You know, when you do what you love, you don't feel like you do you work. So um, I'm living the dream right now. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Well, and it seems like with uh, students being busy is nothing new, but it seems like it is ramped up a bit in recent years and and how much of that is perception and how much is reality I'm not really sure but regardless it is at the very least perception if not reality and it seems like a ministry like FCA that a lot of the benefit of it is it's less you're competing with a lot of these other extracurriculars and things like that and more you're able to go to students where they are and minister to them in their environment is that accurate? That's totally accurate I think when I was in youth ministry world the big disconnect was you know, the students and the athletes in my youth group, they really had a, they lived differently on campus in yeah. front of the rest of their peers. And they had almost this duplistic thing going on. And yeah. and kids would come up like, hey, hey, Pastor Jared, you don't know how they really are at school. <laughs> and, um, you know, and so what FCA does is it gives them a, an opportunity to really um, be excited about their faith because, you know, we're, we're reaching all the most influential people on campus, coaches yeah. and athletes. And when yeah. the star quarterback gets saved, everybody gets saved. And yeah. so the, um, it actually gives them a, a place where they can invite 
kids that normally would not step foot in a local church. And for whatever those reasons are, and especially athletes, they have so many things going on. This gives them an opportunity to say, hey, this is geared towards athletes, even though we invite everybody in. And we have uh, have even non-athletes on our leadership teams. But Mm -hmm. um, they come in. You know, whether it's because we have a former 49er or a Sacramento Kings player coming to speak Mm -hmm. or their tummy's growling and they want free (laughs) Chick-fil-A or, you know, Jesus used fish and bread. We use Chick-fil-A and Little Caesars. Okay. Hey, you know what? It it works. It does. Yeah. Um, And you know what we do see, though, is because it doesn't compete, it actually compliments what they're already doing. I used to preach against sports, okay? I was like, <laughs> I was a youth pastor going, you know, your kids, <laughs> you want your kids to be saved, but now you care more about them, you know, winning the Little League Championship than you do about their soul and all that stuff. But now I'm like, I've got a ton of kids of my own, five actually. Yeah. And now I understand the importance of, you know, kids in sports, but then also the opportunity it presents as yeah. well for them to share that influence with yeah. their, with their uh, you know, yeah. Teammates. No, absolutely. That's great. So 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 what we're talking about today is is we're going to talk more broadly about how can adults positively influence the young people that they have in their lives and and the things we're going to talk about are broadly applicable. So we, so somebody who's listening to this and they're like, okay, I'm not a sports person. Yep. Dang it, Brian, didn't you just do a sports episode a month ago? Don't Why turn off. <laughs> yeah. Don't click. Yeah. I think that we're going to use sports and coaching as sort of a uh, kind of a base level place to start in terms yes. of that's that's one kind of adult student relationship but what we're talking about is broadly applicable whether we're talking about other extracurricular activities whether we're talking about field trip chaperones or sure, camp chaperones or or even just you know kids in the neighborhood or everything else um because i mean certainly a principle that i hold uh I hold close to my heart, and I'd imagine it's one that you would agree with, is that uh, a kid cannot have too many positive adult influences in their life. Absolutely. Right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean, The more the merrier. Yeah, the more the merrier. So I think when we as adults are equipped to... Uh, positively influence the young people around us. It's a beautiful thing, and and unfortunately, the other the 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 inverse is true as well. When uh, when we're not healthy, when we're kind of you know messed up in some different ways, uh, you've seen it, I've seen it. Adults can really do a lot of damage, which is obviously not good. So so that's kind of where we're going with the conversation today. And and one thing I'd love for you to talk a little bit more as we kind of get rolling here is is what I thought was so interesting as I'm looking on the FCA website and all that, reading all about what you do, is that stalker. Uh, stalker. That's right. You know, research stalking. It's a fine line. Um, the uh, you have at FCA. I had 50 likes on one uh, on my page. I was like, who is this guy, Brian? Why does he keep liking my personal <laughs> phone? I didn't actually do that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, on the FCA website, um, it lists the four C's. So you have coaches, campus, camp, and community. And initially, that was intriguing to me that you list coaches yes. as your first sort of place that you want to to influence and, and minister, which in all my years of just living, in my mm-hmm. experience with FCA, I've thought of it as a ministry to student athletes, which it largely is, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. But it was interesting to me that you list your very first place that you want to minister is to coaches, uh, which I think is fantastic. Talk about that a little bit and why is that such a core part of FCA's philosophy? Billy Graham has a quote that says, a coach will influence more young people in a year than the average person in a lifetime. Because coaches 
whether wow. good or bad, have a tremendous amount of influence on students. They have this teaching, this mentorship. Um, there's life skills. People remember their coaches and what they said, whether it was positive or whether it was negative. I can remember my coaches. I can remember their affirmation. I can remember their challenge. I can remember um, when they when they cussed. When I had a Christian coach that swear, I was like, "What, <laughs> what is that doing? even? <laughs> is that even legal?" You know, it, it it just it gets cemented in the framework of our mind, yeah. and so we understand the importance that coaches have. As you mentioned, you've coached quite a bit. Yeah. I've coached um, teams as well with with my kids, and. We understand that that is not just, hey, someone needs to fill a role, but yep. you're actually helping, um, you know, these very impressionable young people, whether they're, they're elementary age or they're in high school in the college level. And um, there's a reason, too, why coaches are paid so much money, even at the <laughs> highest level. Yeah. They understand, too, like they create culture, yeah. they set expectations. And so we really, as FCA, um, is moving forward in this area while we've got a lot of uh, we've done an incredible job with the student athletes. We have a big push right now. We actually hired somebody to actually help develop a coach's ministry, which mm -hmm. the coach's ministry is going to look like um, monthly breakfast for local coaches in the area that they can come, hear a former coach come speak or a current coach about topics that can help them navigating and even doing a coach's retreat that'll be for coaches and their spouses mm -hmm. to go away, to get refreshed, because usually it's the spouse of a coach that really you know, unfortunately suffers a little yeah. bit. Because Especially of, at these higher levels where coaching is yes, so demanding these days. Very demanding. Yeah. And it's very cutthroat. I mean, yeah. you live or die by the wind category. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm listening to a book right now on, uh, it's called, this is your brain on sports, which is just a nerdy sports good time. And it was talking about how this coach, Jeff Van Gundy, who coached for a long time oh, in yes. the NBA, uh, was sharing with another coach how you, you're in the last moment of the game down by one, you drop the play, Everything's executed perfectly. The ball's in the air. Buzzer sounds. And as that ball's in the air, you're thinking, good coach or terrible coach? Good coach <laughs> yes. or terrible coach? And it all matters. Like, if the ball goes in, you're a genius. One play, If he misses yes. the shot, you are a dirtbag. Yes. <laughs> you know? so, uh, but it is. It is, a, it is a uniquely cutthroat world. That is, certainly, uh, that is certainly true. And I would imagine that for both coaches and their spouses, just having a place of... Uh, whether it's literal physical retreat or just yes. the retreat of a breakfast or a place to be cared for and supported. Yeah. I mean, it's got to make a huge it's difference. It's even uh, a coach's Bible study, you know, having on campus where coaches could come and just be encouraged and realize that their identity yeah. is not tied to whether they're a winning coach or a losing coach, yeah. but their identity is in Christ. And so it's, it's an outreach opportunity as well to bring in coaches that aren't of faith, but then also um, to do that as, you know, to really minister to those ones that are of faith and then give them the opportunity to use their influence. So we teach coaches a lot about how they are the most influential person, sometimes more than a youth pastor, sometimes more than parents for a certain season of life is because they're they're with those kids, depending on which sport they play, sometimes three, four days a week, yeah. and then plus games, and then if they're a traveling team, and saying, look, you have such a, a positive role um, in the formation of this young child or this teens or whoever's character yeah. use that and realize that that's who you are. And so we take coaches through a, a training called three dimensional coaching. It starts with surface level stuff of how do you get your team to, how do you get team cohesion? How do you get teams to work together? And then we move it into um, how do you get teams to actually love and fight for each other and build this camaraderie that they become yeah. a family. But then the last piece of the pyramid it, is we actually get coaches to start thinking about legacy. Yeah. What are you going to wow. be known for? What is it that 
when you move on from coaching, what is it that these kids are going to say about you? Is yeah. it not just, well, we're a great team, but now that coach instilled something into me that I'll remember the rest of my life. He yeah. told me how to be a man. He told me how to, how to treat my, you know, how to respect myself. I'm a young lady and all the different things yeah. that come along with that. Yeah. Well, and, and once again, I, I think it's seeing those opportunities, regardless of what your role is, whether yeah. it's coach, friend, whatever, seeing those opportunities and recognizing, okay, I have the opportunity to be memorable in the life of a young person. And the point isn't so that they remember me. The point is that I'm able to instill something in them positively or negatively. And I want to leverage that opportunity as best I can and not not just let it slide by, not be ignorant to it and and not be, you know, imparting some of my own dysfunction on sure, them as best absolutely. I can, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe talk a little bit about what are some ways, and we'll talk, again, going through the coaching framework, yep. but, but broadly applicable, what are some kind of more specific ways or specific principles you've seen that have allowed coaches to really have a positive impact on the young people that, that are in their care? Yeah, it's a great question. I think some of the things that we've just encouraged coaches to do is, um, you know, understand that affirmation goes a long way. You know, sometimes it's the, and that can go across the board is realizing that there is so much fear. There's so much bullying going around. There's so much things that are pulling against people and causing them to, uh, live in this almost, almost just, I'm afraid I don't want to open up. And so we, we tell coaches a lot saying, you know, encouraging them with just being affirming to their players and then also too checking in with them saying hey like pulling them aside you know and doing things off practice inviting them into their home or doing a pizza party and just saying and getting alone with those kids one on one and just saying hey how's everything going yeah. sometimes a simple check in is it can go it can just it can reap a lot of dividends with with people yeah i mean and that that's i mean it's going beyond X's and O's. Yes. It's going beyond reciting the lines. It's going yep. on. It's going beyond going over the the music. It's taking that time to really see each person for who they are. Yeah, right? I mean, a great friend of mine, and it's a famous quote, said, "You know, love is spelled T I M E." Yep. And sometimes it's just the small things that you can do. Whether you're a parent, you're a single parent. Whether yeah. you're a young adult looking to make an impact in this world. It's it's just taking somebody's side. Or you're, you're even a grandparent yep. and your grandkids don't want to have anything to do with you or whatever. You know, if you're a grandparent, just take your kids out to ice cream. They'll listen to anything you have to say. <laughs> just put some sugar in their mouth, okay? And they'll be good. They'll be good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I th- one th- thing that I, that I always like to keep in mind in my own interaction with young people is so uh, being a UCLA guy, I, of course, uh, you know, revered, admire John Wooden, uh, former UCLA basketball coach. And there was one time when John Wooden got accused of having a double standard Mm. for treating star players one way and everyone else the other way. And I loved his response. Uh, I pulled up the quote just right right here. Uh, He said, I've got 12 standards, one for every member of my team. Mm. And it's like, I don't just have a double standard. Everyone is held to a different standard. I like that. And that even as a, I mean, last night we had our first practice of the year for my little seven-year-old or eight-year-old rec soccer team, you know, and uh, a lot of these kids have been with me before and this and that. And that's really a principle I've tried to keep with me as a coach is to recognize each kid needs a little something different from me. Absolutely. Right. This kid needs me to 
push him a little bit harder, right? When he starts to kind of go sideways, he needs to be told to, hey, let's snap back with it and let's get going. Another kid, you know, he's going to need the, okay, I'm going to get down on one knee and we're going to talk and everything else. And I think that as adults, with the kids that we spend a lot of time with, to really try, and I don't get this right every time, I don't mean to imply that because I, I don't, but to really try to take the time to, to look a kid in the eye, to understand what they need from you, to recognize that motivation is going to be different, to yes. recognize that emotional maturity is going to be different, to recognize what, what works in terms of being positive with one kid is not going to work with another. Uh, what is helpful correction for one kid is yes. going to totally destroy You're another, You're stepping into right? a parental role, yeah. essentially, as a coach. And just yeah. in the same way that um, I have five children, as I mentioned before, all of my children respond different to discipline. A lot of my kids, some I can just say one word and yep. it's, it's over. Sometimes it's time out. Sometimes it's everything I've got, including, you know, the, the spoon taking toys away. I mean, it's like a conundrum. I'm like, what do I do with you? Yeah. yeah. And so under understanding those, you know, personality differences, so it can't be a one size fits all cookie cutter, cutter mentality. Right. And, and I think too, that a lot of times as, you know, you know, it's just, it's just leadership in general right. is that we have to see where people are at like you mentioned, the emotional maturity level, what they can handle and how they respond. It's like a beta test when you first step into a coaching role and figuring out who you got, what they, how they respond, yeah. their skill level, and then looking for leaders. I, yeah. As a coach, I always said, yeah, like, who's, good. I keep asking, who are the leaders on the team? I don't pick them. I, I want them to volunteer. Like, I'll be a leader because yeah. those are the ones. And then when, when I, you know, get a couple leaders, I pull them aside and say, look, this is more than just about winning. We are going to, we're going to want to win, but we're also going to, when we're having a tough game, you two are going to be the ones on the field encouraging your teammates. Come on, that's okay. We'll get it next time. Yep. We need to keep the morale high yep. because win or lose, we want to remember like this is, this is like we're going to be friends still. We're going to have relationships that go on, but you two are going to lead the charge and help influence and shape the culture of this team. Yeah. And so, you know, at a young age, we're always looking for leaders. Like yeah. that's, we love just training leaders. FCA does that. We're, we're all about modeling leadership and then trying our best to hand things off and giving them some sort of way of, of growing in that ability as yeah. well. Well, and that, that to me is really the benefit of virtually any extracurricular activity that a young person might engage in. Uh, as we know, uh, the athletes are not going to become professionals. Uh, the yeah, the, the singers are percent. probably not going to Broadway. The, Sorry, parents. Uh, yeah, the this and that. Like, it's not like this is probably not going to be a uh, net positive in terms of monetary, uh, you know, remuneration. That's why I have my son in golf. Okay, there's a lot of college scholarship money. I'll get my daughters. Yeah, actually, golf for for um, women. That's the number one. Thing of college scholarship money that's left on the table every oh, for, for women's sports is golf. So everybody's going to golf in my there family. There you so. go. <laughs> that's good. All well, right. You know, when you got that many kids, <laughs> you just right. got whatever you can do. <laughs> I'm a pastor. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Pass the but, offering plate. But, but but I think you know the, the point I wanted to make was just that I think that that really is the goal of a lot of these is, 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 these extracurriculars is is building that character and competency that comes from leadership that then a young man or young woman can use in their family can use in the workplace, can use as leaders Absolutely. in their church, in their community, uh, in volunteering in different ways. 
what better play? I mean, so many activities that young people can get involved in, whether, again, whether it's the basketball team or like, I didn't do this, but all my siblings did like the speech and debate team. And I can look at all of my siblings and see how, man, they really grew a lot from that experience. And there's part of me that wishes I had engaged with that when I was, you know, when I was younger. But I think that's really where, you know, for those of us who have some influence over kids uh, and students to recognize these types of environments, I mean, this is essentially their workplace, yeah, right? Absolutely. And and it's not just about wins and losses and accomplishing a task. We are really training and molding young people for future success or failure, future abilities to invest in others. And and that's a really sacred calling and task we've been given. Yeah. And I and I would even say too that part of of what maybe is a roadblock for some adults is they didn't have that modeled for them growing up and they don't know how to invest because their upbringing was, you know, was a lot of, maybe it was abuse, maybe it was discouragement, maybe it was um, neglect, maybe it was abandonment. And so, you know, if you're not brought up in in a healthy culture and you don't get a vision for where you want to go, you actually result or revert back to default of what you experience. And so I think a lot of times, um, when I get alongside, if I assistant coach or coach and I have, I'm working with somebody, I'll share some things and they're like, well, how did you know that? And, and then they, they kind of start listening a little bit more because it's, it's new information for them. Yeah. So I always encourage people get around somebody, you know, whether it's faith world, yeah. you know, I, I have a, we had a situation happen with a, uh, a young lady in our youth group where she, uh, she took a challenge we did after a camp. And I thought as a youth pastor, you know, we go to these camps and these kids get, you know, really spiritually charged. They go home and then a week later it's back to normal. (laughs) But I had this idea. I thought, I thought if I can give them a challenge to really grow in their faith at home, not just when they're at church, perhaps we could see a shift. Mm -hmm. And so this young lady took this challenge. At first it was like half the youth group was doing it. They're waking up an hour before they were, uh, before their alarms would go off. They were listening to Christian music and worship and then reading their Bibles and praying. And then they would text me after they were done, Mm -hmm. what kind of they felt God was saying to them for that day in the scripture reading. And so they did it, you know, first day I had like 40 text messages. Second day I had 10. The third day (laughs) it was one. Fourth day it was one. And this one young lady kept doing this. Well, it's because of her leadership and influence her mom met with me at the church. And anytime parents meet with a youth pastor at church, it's never to yeah. tell you you're doing a great yeah, job. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's not like, hey, we're thrilled. Just yes. wanted you to know. Yes. Anytime <laughs> Everything's a, healthy in our house. Anytime and- <laughs> a parent pulls a coach aside, I need to talk to you. It's never like, you're the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> oh, good. Glad it's not so just I was, me. So <laughs> I was preparing for my lashing. I was getting ready. You know, yep. I was like, all right, I'm going to take it like a man. And this mother, you know, begins to tell me, you gave our kid a challenge. And I said, Oh gosh, yes, ma'am. I did. She goes, this 10 day challenge thing where they wake up early and they listen to worship and then they pray and read their Bibles. I'm like, yes, I did. I'm so, I'm so sorry. What happened? She goes, well, I want to let you know that she is doing it faithfully every morning. She gets up at 5am and she is, I can hear her praying. She's crying out to God for our unsaved family members and praying. And she goes, it's now it's, not just her, but it's her two young, two younger siblings as well. And she was in sixth grade at the time. Wow. And she goes, now they're both getting up with her and doing this. And I said, oh, okay. Um, she goes, 
And the mom goes, and it's made me and my husband really uncomfortable because now my kids are seeking God more than we are. <laughs> and she said, do you have any more of those challenge packets? And I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Here you go. You I'll that. give you all the CD, all the material wow. you need. That's cool. And that was such a defining moment that, you know, that young lady now is in college. That's how yeah. long ago it was. But it, it changed the course and the directory of their family yeah. to, you know, and that's what I say, like whether you've had that experience or not, if you get around people that have, whether it's, you know, it's a leadership gift, whether it's a coaching gift, whether it's a parenting gift, get around people that are doing it at a high level and just begin to ask questions, ask them to mentor you, ask yeah. them to coach you. And, if, and in, the, in the spiritual side of things, I tell parents and, and adults the same thing, like create an environment for your kids to really flourish. Yeah. You know, if it's, you want them to grow in their, their ability to do sports, you know, put them in certain camps or clinics and different things like that, but also sp the spiritual formation of your child, get them around, you know, people that their hearts are just on fire for God. Yeah. You know, we took our kids to a conference uh, this summer. We've made a lot of sacrifices to get them around people that are really, um, sold out for the Lord that are doing things for God and, and getting them into involved in service projects. We're planning a missions trip next year to take them on. We want them to be around and see the work of Christ um, that's out of their comfort zone that, that forces them and, you know, to see the world through a different lens. And so um, whatever you can do, I, you know, when I was young, you know, at probably seven, eight years old, I woke up at five o'clock in the morning and I heard a noise in the living room and this noise, you know, caught my attention and it was actually my father and he was on his knees praying and I'm crying out to God. You know, the economy was bad. He was in construction. We were living in a trailer park, but I had no idea that that's what my father did every single day of his life. And at a young age, something was imprinted into my mind about like, this is what fathers do for their kids yeah, is wow. that they seek God and then they create an environment, you know, that they would understand like I at a young age realized like, wow, this is what dads do. I yeah. saw that. But if that wasn't your story, I would say, make it your story. Get up early, be the man or the woman in your house that sets the temperature that, you know, changes the environment. So your, your kids are growing up in an environment that is, that is one of, you know, as a, as a pastor and I preach quite a bit, I know I'm going long here, Brian, I'm sorry, but <laughs> as a pastor and I preach a lot, so many times we we made the pulpit the pinnacle of success in church world and in leadership, you know, as in church leadership, as long as you get to that pulpit, you've really arrived. And what I saw was there was a huge disconnect from from that pastor and his family. And I yeah. thought to myself, success is going to be what my kids see with me on a daily basis. Yep. And so that's really what I push people towards now is like, I want my kids, they know when I go travel and speak at churches and share about FCA or I'm speaking at a conference, they see their dad hungry for the Lord at home just as much as I am when I'm preaching at a pulpit. Yeah, that's huge. And and you're right. Stories of that disconnect are, are sadly common. But when your children who see you behind the scenes, they know what we all know, and that is that your time, quote unquote, in the pulpit, on stage, whatever, is such a small percentage and such Absolutely. a small part of who you are. And at the end of the day, success is really who you are day to day in the lives of your kids, in the lives of the young people you have an opportunity to influence. And because the fact is anybody can get up on stage and say anything and you don't know if it's legit. You just don't yeah. like people don't know, like people that don't people know can me, post anything yeah, they want. People <laughs> that don't know me, that don't know me, don't know if I'm legit. They just don't. Yeah. And you know, but my kids do and people that I'm close to do. 
And I think so much. If of I the, really want to know yeah. how you're doing, Brian, I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to ask your children. Yeah, right? they, <laughs> yeah. they are the truth tellers. Yeah, exactly. They are exactly. truth tellers. So, and, and, and that kind of just, I mean, I think a transition into, into the, the other side of this coin is, is that we've talked about how, okay, these are some ways that adults can be positive. And I think you've shared some really great principles. And even just the idea of setting the spiritual temperature of your home yes. is fantastic. And then as it comes to, you know, children or young people outside of your home, uh, you know, spelling love, T-I-M-E, and that sort of investment is is fantastic. Um, unfortunately, we know that there are lots of stories in the coaching world specifically, but even more broadly, of just adults having a really negative impact. And and I've read articles about the challenge of, or even there's a there's a new like hashtag that I think Kobe Bryant's getting involved in. Hashtag don't retire kid. Have you heard about this? No. That, yeah, I just heard about it on ESPN the other day. I'm not making it up. Uh, that the average kid stops playing sports at age 11, and it's largely because of lame coaches wow. and they're trying mm. to you know create this thing to encourage kids to don't keep playing retire sports. kids yeah to keep playing sports because of the benefits that we've discussed sure. beyond just you know wins absolutely and losses. so so what are some ways that adults can let this go sideways what are some ways that those of us who invest in young people need to watch out for in terms of just checking our own selves to make sure we're not being a negative influence on the young people we're around and uh gosh and that's you know where I come from in church world that unfortunately you see and you hear some of the the worst of the worst. Yeah. And in sports world with coaches that have such a great amount, I mean, it's a privilege. Yeah. It really is a privilege to coach. Um, I would definitely say, uh, you know, accountability and keeping people involved in your life. So people that can always ask you the tough questions, yeah. you know, whether you're male, female, whatever your role is in life, parenting, coaching, um, leadership, um, leading or small business owner, whatever, you know, school teacher, have a, have a group of people that are continually in your life that know who you are because they can see the difference in your attitude, in your character. You can hide things. Like you said, from the vast audience that you get up in front of, you can fake it. Nobody will even have a clue. But if you have a close group of friends that you do life with and you begin to act a little bit different, you begin to, um, do things that are out of the ordinary for your character, they're going to be able to get to ask questions. And a lot of times it's these people that, that end up self-sabotaging and hurting and causing harm is because they retreat from that. They isolate and then they, they start to get away with it at first. And I think nobody will know. And you know, that's the biggest thing is like, I believe that, you know, one of the, one of the ways that we can stay healthy is to stay involved in community and stay involved in people. And I have, I have a board, you know, about eight people that can ask me questions. They get to see everything that I'm doing. And then I've got even a closer group of about three guys that I meet with on a regular basis. And that anytime I'm making a life decision, anything that's involves my family and involves anything, I go to them and, you know, sometimes I don't want to call them, Brian. Sure. Sometimes I I don't even, you know, I I don't like it. It's against my nature. I'm prideful person. I want to be able to handle it myself and I don't need advice. I don't need their, um, their input on what I'm doing. So I would say, you know, continually allow yourself to be an open book and ask for feedback. That's that's the biggest thing. If you can ask for feedback, you know, I think you can really grow as a leader and it, it helps you to, I mean, feedback is the breakfast of champions. I've heard people say that. <laughs> it may, gives me indigestion, you know, I'm like, ah, <laughs> I don't like this bowl yeah. of feedback. Yeah. But it also, 
It also helps, you know, you grow as a person, as a leader and, um, and how you're shaping people. Yeah. And, and I think the development of community, even in the investment in young people is, is important for a, for a variety of, of reasons, not the least of which is that, that feedback loop that it creates a little bit. And I think the accountability, especially as you're in more high pressure type situations, yes. whether it's sports or theater or band or whatever, where you can get pretty wrapped up in the moment and even things as simple as, okay, amongst us, you know, three coaches, Hey, we're not, we're not arguing with referees today. It's just not going to happen. There you go. So if one of us starts to get a little sideways, then the other two can be like, Hey, we're not doing that today. Exactly. Uh, so, but then in terms of the actual communication with the students, children themselves, whether we're talking about any of these aforementioned environments, whether we're talking about riding bikes in the streets, whatever else, what what are some things we need to watch for in terms of just the way that we're interacting with kids and making sure we're keeping that positive? Yeah, I would say, you know, primarily you're going to have, um, you have a conscience built mm-hmm. into you. And, you know, if you're a believer, you've got the Holy Spirit right there that is always guiding and directing you. When my father begin to, you know, he got saved in the Jesus people movement. He was a hippie, uh, you know, had a full ride college scholarship playing golf, drops out and that's the golf thing. And, um, but when he began to follow Christ, it's interesting. It went from, I'm moving away from bad behavior so much and bad, like I'm not doing drugs anymore. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not doing these things Mm -hmm. that cause destruction. All of a sudden it started to move to attitude. I'll never forget Mm. the day I was working for my dad in construction. I was 19, fresh out of high school, and we had a little meeting, and he was inspecting the work that I had done, and he kind of, you know, got on to me, and why did you have me come? I, this isn't even ready. You forgot this piece of backing here. You didn't even finish that, and da-da-da, and, you know, he walks off. When he comes, he drives his truck back about 20 minutes later and goes, come here, I need to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? He goes, I need to apologize for the tone of my voice. Um, you know, God's been really working on me and it stuck out to me so much because I was at a young age where I'm like, I'm just trying not to like mess up and do these like big, horrible sins and hear my dad's <laughs> talking about the tone of his voice. Yeah. And I would say too, is as you, the tone of your voice and your attitude plays a big part in how you're going to be dealing with these kids. And when you start to have a poor attitude and you start and you're ungrateful and you're unthankful all of that is going to spill into into your team, into yeah. your families, into your coworkers, into how you lead as a person. And so David prayed this prayer in Psalms 139, Lord, test me and try me. See yeah. if there's any wicked way or offense in me. I would say it always starts with your attitude. If you could have a positive attitude and realize, okay, at the end of the day, hey, okay, we're not going to yell at coaches. Hey, we're not going to do this, but hey, we're going to have a good time today. And remember like what you're doing this for. Like we're (laughs) not going to, you know, we're not getting paid to do this. Most of us are not getting paid to coach. (laughs) Right. You know, we are sacrificing time, energy, you know, family time to go and instill in this. So realize like at the end of the day, you kind of take a step back and realize, hey, this is just coaching, soccer. You know, I got four kids in soccer this year. I'm like, holy, <laughs> wow, yes. Saturdays You know, the minivan be running around, you know, <laughs> burning, burning rubber. So um, I think, you know, just to watch your attitude, it always yeah. starts there. If you can yeah. always have a positive attitude and just be encouraging and affirming, you know, it'll go a long way. And it, But that is a red flag. And when you start having a bad attitude and you're getting onto kids and you're getting short and aggressive and realizing, man, I'm just 
ooh, that's that, that's dangerous territory. That yeah. can lead to the bigger things. Yeah, no, absolutely. One thing that I, I just started doing this last year with my with my kids in, in soccer and then continued it into basketball is just trying to keep that perspective of of fun and hey, this is a this is a wonderful gift we get to do these things is like a pregame huddle ritual that you know, I have now is okay. We got the team together. We got we got the lineup set. Few last things. Hey, we're gonna work on X, Y, and Z. And then it's hey, it's a beautiful day today, and we get to play soccer. That's pretty yes. awesome. Let's go out and have fun. Yes. You know, and it's like hey, it's a beautiful. <laughs> it's a crappy day outside. It's raining cats and dogs, <laughs> yes. but we, we're in here. I don't want to be here, but, but we're in here. No, well, no, but like we're we get to be in here playing exactly. basketball. Like how cool is that? You know, if you don't win, you're that. running thirty laps. <laughs> Try to keep that no perspective of like, this is really a fun thing we get to do. And I'll tell you though, just one sort of weird struggle that I, I have, like my nature is I'm just a loud person. I just am like, I, I'm very in control of my emotions, but I like to be loud and have, have a you good pray time for my son. Cause every time I talk, he doesn't hear me. I'm like, <laughs> clean your ears out. Yeah. Right. But it's like, even like I'll watch little videos that like my wife will take at you know, sporting events. And I can like hear myself on the video. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I remember that moment. <laughs> I wasn't angry, but I kind of sound angry. <laughs> and I'm like, man, sure. I'm really loud in the way that, and it's like, okay, I just need to. And I think that's something that I just even need to work on is that like, I think I have the attitude part pretty well dialed in, but I think, I mean, in, in, in what your dad said is so powerful about even apologizing for his tone of voice Sure, is just, I think being aware as an adult with not, how am I feeling internally? I mean, that's huge as well. Don't get me wrong. But but not only, I should say, how am I feeling internally, but then how am I presenting to these to yes. these young people? You know, uh, and then even, you, you know, you go a step further beyond that. I think something I'm realizing I have to be careful of with my own children is that uh, so my personality, I tend to be very exuberant about things that are pretty much meaningless, like. Mm-hmm game-winning baskets by the Sacramento Kings. And I tend to be very stoic about things that are of great significance. Like, I don't tend to react severely to really significant things, Mm. good or bad. And I've had to, because I think part of my, just I I really value keeping sort of an emotional, even keel in intense moments. So I've realized whether it's with my kids on the field, because they will see what am I reacting to. Wow, that's really good. Or even my kids at home, like, I've had to, like, and my kids are getting old enough now where I can have these talks with them. Like, hey, you know, we scream and yell and have fun watching these games, but like, we're just having a good time. That's part of it. And the things that matter are, you know, God and, and our family and everything else. And, and I take those things serious. Anyway, so I just, I think that's a, a challenge for us to even then, especially when it comes to things like discipline, because that's a necessary part of, sure of interacting with young people and even keeping your discipline in a way that it's positive and constructive. Those are just all little things that I think all of us that work with kids need to pay attention to. And I, I, I see in myself tons of area, ter- tons of areas that I can grow. And I'm, I'm sure you would see that in yourself and oh, in other coaches you've seen. Yeah. And I, my wife last year was coaching with her, my wife and her mom were coaching soccer for our uh, seven-year-old. And we had a set of parents, my goodness, <laughs> every game they wanted to coach for her, you know, and my, speaking of tone, my wife's voice <laughs> has no bass, nothing. And so go, 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 you can do it, you know, and then here's crazy dad on the sidelines. Hey, let the kids score. You know, oh, if boy. they score too many goals, they yeah. forfeit, you know that. Oh, and man. so we're like, Hey, we're not going to forfeit. We're going to teach the kids discipline. 
that while you're running up the score, you actually have to be disciplined enough not to forfeit the game. We paid money. We don't care if they forfeit. Oh my gosh. So (laughs) that was a growing moment for me because I wanted to step into the same attitude and tone that this gentleman had. And my wife couldn't deal with it. So I walked over and and just had a, a... a very gentle conversation with this man and his wife and they both got very belligerent, very loud. And they had forgotten that these were seven year old kids playing soccer. Yeah. This, you know, they were not in the world cup. They were just seven year old kids. And I had to remind them of that. It was bigger than just soccer that we're actually instilling life skills in them and teaching them discipline and that we actually need that in our own lives as parents, a little bit more discipline. And so yeah, uh, you know, last year we saw that, and I it really, it really opened my eyes too that I can only imagine what that man's upbringing was like, and what his dad was like, and what his coach was like. And sometimes we revert back to default, like, well, yep. this is how you coach: you yell and you scream, yep. and this is what you do as a parent. If you don't have your way, you get it by being loud and overpowering everybody. So I think too, is just um, if you are in that place of leadership, like a coach and you are that place or a teacher and you engage people that are coming at you crazy, just learning, you know, that the Bible says the soft answer turns away wrath. I was just thinking about that. You know, and so so we have to be the people too that, you know, because that, that moment right there stuck out to both teams, both, you know, my wife and, you know, my wife, my mother-in-law, but the coach on the other side was so embarrassed that this was going on that he actually said, hey, I forfeit the game because I don't want my these seven-year-old kids to have to listen to this screaming dad wow. anymore. It got so bad, yeah. like the league had to come and put Jeez, certain people to mess. watch. It was yeah, a huge yeah. mess. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. But at the same time, I go, what a great experience for these kids to grow in. So we talked yeah. to the whole team about what had happened. We talked to all the parents. We explained, you know, what's appropriate behavior and what's not. And again, you know, this is this is all part of leadership. This is all what we get the privilege of doing and instilling. And not only was it a learning experience for those parents, but for those kids, they're going to grow up and now they're going to see the wrong way to behave, but also what's the correct way to behave and then yeah. how to diffuse a situation like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, uh, the way we handle those sorts of crises is yeah. it's an opportunity for for instruction and investment as well, which is which is significant. But uh, and I oh think man, too, man, I I remember last situation. year we we're coaching. It was a, a playoff game. I was the assistant coach, and the coach next to us. You know, our our teams are are coaching. We're next to each other, so we can yep. hear each other talking. Yep. yep. And uh, I remember getting so frustrated with the coach next to me because he was saying some just things like, oh yeah, you guys just wait, man. You're lucky we don't have the other person. He's sick, you know, or we would have uh, really mopped the field with you guys and do it, you know, saying this. And we're thinking, like, you must be a very pleasant person. Yes. And I'm thinking, and you know, <laughs> at that moment, the head coach looked at me and he just said, you go take a walk, you know, <laughs> he could tell well, I was, there's that fu- accountability piece, yes. right? That's good. That's I good. was fuming yeah. and I was getting ready to, you know, unload the bazooka <laughs> yeah. on this guy about what he's saying. And then I had to go take a walk and, and eat some of my own medicine that I love yeah. to serve up myself. And so I think too, that realizing that we all have that tendency inside of us and yeah. that there, there is a time just to take a little time out. Uh, going to walk with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please. Yeah, diffuse this and help yeah. me. Yeah, that's uh, good. That's I mean beneficial for coaches, parents, 
everything. Yeah. Every, you know, everything. Because those situations are going to arise, whether they're from some other adult you know, being a jerk or just the frustration of children and, and whatever the case may be. So I heard a uh, podcast recently and the pastor was talking about how um, he lived with his senior pastor for a short season and, and watched the interaction of how him and his wife were and then the discipline of their children. It was totally contrary to what he had experienced growing up and him and his wife would just, they were taking notes, you know, Mm. learning as they're sitting in this, sleeping in this pastor's home while their house was, you know, getting finished and worked on. And he said something that really stuck out and it, it, you know, stuck out to me too. He says, I watched him never discipline his children when he was angry. Mm. He said, he always said, go up to your room. Dad will come up there and mom will come up there. Um, in a little while. And he says, I never disciplined my children when I was angry because I never wanted to punish them, you know, out of anger. I, I wanted to discipline them when it was appropriate, but not with a tone that I was going to come yeah. out and, re- and really hurt them and yeah, hurt their really feelings. Smart. And that's so, really wise. so I've, I'm trying to instill that as well in all areas that yeah. if, if, uh, in leadership, if, um, somebody or whether it's an employee says something and I want to react right away. I actually just go, you know what? I don't need to respond to this message or to this person right now in the moment. Let yeah. me just take a break. Yeah. Let me go take a walk, go take a hike with Jesus and then come back. And I think going back to what we had mentioned earlier about our attitude and you know, our attitude spills everywhere we go and people are going to know us. The Bible says that Jesus said, my disciples will be known by the love that they have for one another. Yep. And so that that was the new command that Jesus gave us. And as Christ followers, like that should be the greatest thing, whether you're a parent, coach, whatever that looks like, yep. is that people would remember Brian yep. and Jared and anybody else that is listening to this, that, man, they were a really loving person. Yep. You know, they, I was corrected by them, but it, you know, I heard this one yep. time, this is pretty funny. My brother, Josh, he was uh, building a house for this customer and this customer was you know, very challenging to work with. And he came in and told us, he goes, Hey, I just want to tell you, you know, your brother, he's had to correct me so many times, (laughs) but it was almost like he did it with a kiss. It was so gentle. (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. I walked away going, did I just get kissed? Cause that felt good. (laughs) That's that's hilarious. So I always say, you know, gentle, like a kiss. There we go. um, Uh, Use it. Twitter. There you go. Yes. Tweet that. Okay. So we're kind of, we're, 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 we're just about out of time here, but I did want to take a minute uh, and talk about parenting specifically. So here at Bridgeway, we have, we have our own parenting podcast. We have the Engaging Parenting Podcast with Pastor Cliff and Pastor Matt and some others, which if you're a parent, check it out. You'll be glad you did. But you, you obviously, you are a, a, a prolific parent yourself of <laughs> many children. and um, I'm trying to grow the church, okay? You know, and, and you're doing a great job of it. They're so. all faithful tithers, you know. <laughs> That's Anytime right. they go, man, we're sewing into those little children's buckets. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but between FCA, time as a youth pastor, you have surely engaged with a great many parents. Can you talk a a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of the stresses that parents are under today? Because there's Um, a lot of them, I know. So I mostly worked with teenagers. And so I would say that, you know, it was interesting. I just read an article by Tim Elmore um, this last week, and it talked about in New York, it was the New York Times, that parents are now hiring um, coaches to teach them how to raise phone-free kids. Wow. Because they are seeing the effects of what, and I'm not like anti-phone guy sure. or anything like that, but it, it shared some really interesting scenarios that, 
you know, if you were to do a, a contract with your kids saying, okay, here, here are the rules and here are the limitations that you have on your phone. You violate these things. I take it from you because yeah. you can do this. Yeah. And then I would say, you know, and some of those things was to get a pet, make sure there's mutual ownership, the pet, the kids can take care of it, do things outside. That's where sports comes in, yeah. keeping them outdoors, doing things like sports. Um, they also, you know, talked about activities that the whole family can do. So when when me and my children go out to golf, we take the whole family. Yeah. We go to a, a little small course. We rent a couple carts and we mm-hmm. make a mess out there. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. And they love <laughs> they love seeing us come. You know, this huge entourage of people, you know, all the different, you know, scenarios that they go, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? <laughs> um, but I would say too, you know, is, you know, digital technology, while it does connect us, it also creates a lot of distraction, a yeah. lot of dysfunction. Um, and I would tell, I would encourage parents, it's okay to be different than Joe next door. You know, yeah. try something different. Like we're we're entering, I'm entering teenage phase right now. Yeah. My young son, who my firstborn, he's 12. He's going to be 13 next month. He's already going through puberty. He's all, his voice is cracking. You know, <laughs> and what I decided to do was I understood um, the importance of exercise. So he goes to the gym with me. Five days a week. Wow. Gets up early in the morning. We uh, we do thirty minutes of cardio on the on the elliptical. Sometimes he just drags. He doesn't <laughs> want to do it. But he reads the iPad Bible. I read my phone Bible while we're doing cardio. That's cool. We lift weights together. Come home, and that's helping him with some of the changes going on in his body. Sure. And um, we haven't given him a phone yet. We're talking about giving it to him. You know, when he starts in high school, the following year. But we're also thinking too that some of what we have seen as parents growing up, um, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to make some different, some different changes. And, you know, who knows what 10 years from now may look like that there is a warning label on these phones with the addiction. (laughs) Could be hazardous. Yes. Could be hazardous (laughs) to your health, your mental health. I mean, all the different things. Cause I used to, I mean, one of the mistakes I made early on in youth ministry was I asked the kids, what do you want to drink during our movie night? And they said, monsters. And energy drinks. So I, as junior high youth pastor, I gave them monster energy drinks to watch Facing the Giants. That's a mistake you make once. Yes. So no M&M, no monster in movie night. Oh my yeah. gosh. I had kids running around. Oh I gotta go pee. I gotta gosh. go pee. My heart's pounding. And I'm like, oh dear Lord, please help no child to die oh on my, my watch. God. But this was, this was during, this is 2007. This is beyond, this is when they first started coming out, yep. there was no warning labels yep. what this could do. In the same way, the effects of what this does, yep. we're still learning about it right now. So I would say, hey, take a break. You know, just for myself, three, now it's about a month ago, I really felt the Holy Spirit tell me like, hey, you're you're really distracted right now. I'm going to need your undivided attention. So I deleted all my social media apps, which is like a big no-no for me because I use it to post about our ministry, what God's doing. And so I check it like maybe once every three weeks now, and mm-hmm. or three days now, apologize, not three <laughs> weeks. But I have found that the mental clarity that I have right now is so much clearer and the ability to focus when I'm having one-on-one conversations, I realize as an adult, how distracted I am and I'm wondering how teenagers are. So some little tips there for parents. Yeah, certainly the issues of distraction by digital technology are not unique to teenagers that we ourselves as parents, I mean, and there's lots of things I've read online of, of, of 
kids complaining about their parents' own Always on Facebook, yeah. Right. So, you know, so it goes, it certainly goes both ways, but but you're absolutely right. And I, and I think that every every generation or even sub-generation has its unique challenges where sort of new technology is introduced into the equation, whether that technology is the automobile, the radio, or the smartphone. There you they go. each present new opportunities and challenges. And, and technology in and of itself is not, is neither good nor evil. It is yes. just a thing. And yep. it's sort of what do we do with it? What does it expose about our, our hearts? And, and that's significant. But but I think something you said that really sparked something in me was just talking about how we don't have to parent the way that everybody else does. Yep. And and I think just even in, in, in my own approach to, to parenting, which I mean, I even, gosh, writing a little thing on Instagram this morning on my son's eighth birthday, it was just saying how parenting, even on my best days, is a struggle, right? Yes. But how I have to try very hard, like I want to maintain a non-judgmental posture towards the parenting of others, because the fact is, I just don't know. I don't know the whole story. Yeah. It is so easy to get judgmental about other parents and how they're raising their kids and their standards and blah, blah, blah. It is utterly pointless. It serves no positive purpose and it is exclusively I'm guilty. Negative. I'll right? just tell oh, you yeah. right now, when I'm at the grocery store and that child is on the floor, <laughs> and the mom's like, <laughs> and I was like, there's a plastic spoon aisle right there. You know, this is not the time to doctor fill your child, get the spoon, spank their bottom, bring some correction and order, you know? And I'm like, Oh father, forgive me. I did. How did that just come to my mind? So, so- <laughs> I, I, think, I think that is a sentiment that is very relatable. Yes, right? like, it's totally. How did I learn that I need to try really hard to be non-judgmental? Because I'm super good at being judgmental, right? Yes, like that's how it's my, it came about. It's one of my so, love so, languages. So right, yes. Uh, so on the one hand, uh, being non-judgmental about the parenting approach of others, and which again is is hard, and and I admit that my first reaction when I observe any number of parenting scenarios, and I love it too when I find myself judging parents of teenagers, like I have any clue yeah, what you that don't. is like, we, just I total don't ignorance. But but here here here's sort of the, the the flip side of that is that also recognizing that our family is our family, and it is not up to me to judge the methods of another family. Mm-hmm. I, I want to learn from any families that appear healthy that I can, but I don't need to have the same standards as everybody else. We'll make the decision in our household when it's appropriate for our child to have a phone. Yes, Others are free to say our decision is too strict or too lenient. That's fine. They're allowed to have whatever opinions they want, but their opinions will not be what will not influence our decision. And I've even had to have that conversation with some, you know, other relatives, extended family and all that. Just say, hey, listen, you're allowed to think what you want, but just know we make the decisions for our children. And and I think to have the freedom to do that, to talk to your spouse, to listen to what you feel like God is leading you but to Susie do. But Susie does it this way. Right. Nope. And it's like, okay, great. Good for Susie. Not Lance on Susie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, metaphorical that's right. Susie. The, the, the proverbial Susie. Yes. Uh, but that's not, that's just not who we are, right? And and I think to, to for for parents to recognize because there's all this sort of I, I feel like weird pressure in parenting yes. world, and so much of it is is just manufactured. Like I, I don't think it's real. Like I think what's real is that we're all learning as we go. Oh yeah, <laughs> we're, we're finger painting our way through this. Out. Absolutely, and and the best we can do, I think, is try to figure out who we are, try to recognize our own tendencies towards dysfunction, which which you sort of yes. alluded to earlier, try to negate those as best we can, try to learn from positive influences, but at the end of the day, not feel this weird pressure 
to conform to somebody else's sort of arbitrary standard, especially when that other standard is set by somebody who's just as nervous and insecure oh, as you are. <laughs> I remember, I can remember uh, before we had kids opening the car door of this new vehicle and all these toys fall out and McDonald's french fries. And yeah. I'm like, I'll never have my car like that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. how the tables have turned. Sure you yeah. yeah, sure. My goodness. I always remind oh, myself, that's, that's you. That's um, but I, I, you know, in closing, I know that we're running out of time here, but I would say to, you know, I have a lot of, I used to do a lot of Insta stories and I would have a lot of yeah. my kids that were in my youth group who are now moving into marriage eventually start raising kids and they said i'm so glad that you share those things because it's giving me a vision of how i can be a parent Hmm. and i would say that as you as parents as leaders be the model of what you think other parents should follow don't don't succumb to well it must be like don't lower your standards because everybody else is keep them high and live with integrity you know live with no hidden secrets nothing hidden and you'll watch god will do some he'll totally bless you for that yeah yeah. And then one, this is just a sort of a silly thing, but I, but I want to reference it. So I'm, I'm sitting at, uh, so my kids were in basketball camp last week and on a day that I, I had the day off and they were having a little game that they had invited, uh, parents to come and watch. Right. So I'm sitting there watching my kids and I'm sitting next to some dad who I have no idea who this guy is. And, uh, uh, and he's there with his younger son watching his older son play basketball. And at one like timeout or whatever, younger son goes out and gives older son a hug. This is a very sweet moment. And, Aww. you know, a bunch of us are sort of, oh, you know, this yes. and that. And dad makes this funny comment. He goes, he's something to the effect of like, huh, if they only saw them, you know. Yes. You know, like, like at home, right? And, you know, here I am. Like, I got two boys. Like, I get it, right? And I just sort of said kind of half jokingly to uh, this dad, I'm like, hey, listen, well-behaved in public is the goal here, all right? Yeah. Well-behaved in private is probably unrealistic. We tell people all the time when we go out to a restaurant and we'll have, you know, families look at us and, you know, think we're crazy. Obviously, that many kids like, don't you understand birth control? We're like, yes, I'm trying to grow the church. Abraham, a lot of sons. So we, um, one of the things that we'll do is when they come up, we had this happen occasionally. Is like, they'll say, wow, your kids are so well-behaved. And we know the real story. Right, of course. So I'll make a joke. It's like, well, we put Benadryl in their drinks, you know? <laughs> make them drowsy. They yeah. act like... <laughs> yeah. Well, and I try to like... I, I really mean, don't do that. Yeah, I do not yeah, need yeah, yeah. any... Yeah, that's a, that's How a, dare a, you drag your yeah. children? <laughs> Everyone else taking notes. Do. It's like, oh, no, that's brilliant. Benadryl, yeah, okay. No, don't drug your Breakfast, children. lunch, and dinner. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not advocating that here. Um, <laughs> I don't remember anything you said except for Benadryl, yeah. honey. Go stock up. But it's like, I mean, that's even something... I mean, I we have conversations about that in my own home. It's just sort of the reminder that like our kids are not the only kids who are crazy. Yes. You know, like everyone's kids are crazy and we're all trying to figure it out. But if you do see kids that are well behaved, I would say, go to those parents say, Hey, what are you doing? That's yeah. different than I'm doing. Hey, I I'm having trouble with my three year old. And I went from terrible twos to terrible threes. Any advice that you give me, yeah. you know, and just see, cause sometimes it's the smallest little thing. Yeah. Like we cut out, I mean, we cut out sugar for our kids in the morning cause uh-huh. it was, sugar cereal in the morning with pancakes, you know, all that kind of stuff, sugar in the afternoon. And we decided, you know, hey, let's just try like eggs and toast and cheese in the morning. And we started, we noticed such a difference in their attitude from just a small thing. Wow. Interesting. I mean, that's worth it right there. There you go. All right. Cut out sugar in the morning. Yeah. Just watch what happens. That's the the good stuff right there. Okay. Very last thing. Uh, FCA. For those that are interested in the ministry, want to learn more. 
Where do they where SAC, do they go? How do they learn more about yep. you and what you do? SACFCA.org. S-A-C-F-C-A.org. That's our website, localized website. You can get a broader picture by just going to FCA.org. That's our national website. It um, gives you a little bit more. But if you want to connect with me, there's a there's a little page. You can fill a little questionnaire out, send us a message, we'll get back to you. We respond quick to emails, and so we'd love to hear from you. And if you want to get FCA started locally on any high school, middle school, and we're actually starting on elementary campuses now, that's part of our vision plan for uh, 2020. We'd love Very to cool. have it be a part of it. Very cool. SACFCA.org. .org. Yep. There it is. Boom. Okay. Jared McCachron. I wore my red Thank shoes so today. Much. For those, red shoes, those yep. of you watching online, those red shoes, they are, uh, they're bright. Know, what's, what's, the word, what's the, what's the word the kids are saying these days? I don't know. You know what? I'm, I'm old, I don't know. Cool. Lit is so Lit. two, four, six I've years ago. I've heard drip, drip. I drip, had someone explain yeah. to me what that meant. Drip. I don't know. Yep. Anyway. Hey, this just in. We're old and not that cool. Yep. All right. Well, hey, and thank I'm embracing you. it. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, uh, to Jared. So grateful to have you Thanks, as uh, Brian. my guest today. Great. Just, I'm so glad Lance was gone. Yeah, oh, me too. <laughs> He's not as funny as you. <laughs> Great conversation Just kidding, today. Lance. No, Thank Lance, you're really the best. There you go. He is the best. Thank you to all of you for listening. Hope that uh, those, man, so many of us as adults, we have influence that we don't even realize over the young people in our lives. So I hope that today you're able to pick up a few things that can help you leverage that influence uh, for the benefit of the young people in your life and for the glory of God and for your own joy as well. So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Engaging Culture. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.